You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Hello, I'm Ed Henderson, and welcome to Over and Under. This is uh, May 27, 2022, another Rambling Fridays, and this is where I just talk about random things that come across my mind. I might share an event or two and how it impressed upon me. Don't feel like I have to bring you a whole lot of stats, although I might reference something if I'm trying to make a point. But hope you're having a great week so far. Hope you're going to have a great weekend. This is not going to be a very good weekend for some people, though. It wasn't a very good week. And, of course, I'm referring to the gun shooting in Texas. Horrible, horrible thing to happen. I would just ask that everybody calm down a little bit. Let the investigation go go forth. There's already a lot of allegations being made of police not responding appropriately. I just think at this point in time, it's way too early to come to these conclusions. And if we could just let off the uh, rhetoric about gun control and passing new laws. I mean, for all you politicians out there, you, you've got had all the time in the world. You're bypassing every weekend shootings in Baltimore. Chicago comes to mind. Those deaths do not bother you one bit. And for some reason, when you have such a high media event go over like a shooting in a school, all of a sudden you want to take front and center. And it really does look like it's much more about the politician than the event at hand. Like I said, uh, the other events where you have children dying, where it's almost acceptable, the, the typical politician doesn't even get involved with it. It's almost like it's accepted. And I would say that there's a racial overtone to it, too, because when you see small black children, children being killed in cities like Chicago and Baltimore, there's no outcry. There's no BLM running in there trying to figure out what's going on. It's where most of those children are dying. And yet it's not until we have a shooting at a school and you have a mass media event, all of a sudden the politician goes up front and center and tries to make a name for him. That what Beto O'Rourke did before those children had uh, ever been taken to a funeral home or pre- prepared for their their burial or their or they're even in their grave, what he did was absolutely despicable. And I never really looked into Beto O'Rourke or I just I thought he was silly during the presidential campaigns. He he comes off like a 14-year-old little kid who has not had a whole lot of exposure to the world, has had a lot of sheltering and protection by parents or whatever. I mean, he's just an empty head. I mean, he's a sad excuse for a man, let alone a possible presidential candidate. But I wanted to look in a little bit on who is Beto O'Rourke. I mean, he's even got a name. I wonder why he didn't pick Skippy or Chucky or something, Beto. I mean, that's cute, right? But anyhow, Beto O'Rourke, according to Wikipedia, says that he was heavily influenced by punk rock and found a revelation in The Clash, specifically in an album called London Calling. I I vaguely remember that album, wasn't very impressed by it, but I can't think about developing a whole life philosophy or ideology based on uh, anything I heard that come off that album, but this is starting to make a lot of sense. He is an English lit major, arrested for DUI and burglary, also known as a member of a computer hack 
group known as the Cult of Death Row. Oh, that sounds cool. They are known for making tools available for hacking into Microsoft Windows. So add cyber terrorists to his resume, and he's asking you to let you represent him. I would tell you Beto is like a, a lot of politicians. Beto is about Beto. And uh, he's looking for any opportunity to go front and center. He doesn't give a chubby monkey's butt about you or me. So if you're considering voting for Beto, and even if you're on the far fringes of the left, you can do better than that. Maybe you ought to check Beto out a little bit more before you vote for him. And then there's Barack Obama. You know, I, I'm not a fan of Barack Obama, but I expected more of him than to make a comparison between those murdered children and George Floyd. There is no comparison. Those kids were not in the middle of committing crimes. They weren't sitting there doing fentanyl, cocaine, crystal meth. Uh, they do not have lifelong uh, histories of committing crimes. And no, I'm not saying that Floyd deserved to die that day, but he does not deserve sainthood in, this, in any shape, form, or manner. So for Obama's mind to be deflected over towards George Floyd at this time that these innocent children were murdered, I would, I would say to you there is something very, very wrong with Barack Obama. He has a... He, I don't even I don't have words for it. I, I'm lost at words as to why he would compare those children to George Floyd. There is no comparison whatsoever. So to those families, you have my deepest sympathies, and uh, I think most of the country is 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 bearing this with you. The sorrow that is felt, the depth, and the loss of all those lives that will. Well, we'll never know. They were at their beginning. They had promise. They had the ability to produce something positive. I can only, I can only imagine the pain that those families are going through. But again, I, I really, it, to make it even worse to have these politicians uh, try to make such a spectacle of themselves and to take away from this moment in time, this solemn time, this, this sorrowful time, in order to advance their political agendas, they are—they're—they're they're sickening and they're—they're they're perverse and they are absolutely pathetic individuals. So, I think I got that out of my system. You know, I went back and I was asking you to give a little bit of time because to this investigation as they go through this uh, terrible event, the shooting in Texas, and the reason I ask you that is because so often especially early on, what seems to be so obvious is not so obvious, and it's uh, only after a period of time we can actually put all these puzzles together, such as uh, the police were holding these uh, parents outside and not letting them go inside, and police were not interacting. That may be the case, but I'm telling you that a shooting event like this takes place. There are police officers that are assigned to keep families from running inside. They don't need to be part of what's already going on. You don't want more casualties. And so they very well may have set operations already in place, but that to have perimeter control of that school is incredibly important. Most, I think most protocols don't even allow them to get close to the school. They direct them to a uh, place that is of safe distance away, there's where they will keep the families and keep them advised, keep information coming to them as they conduct their operations. So 
that very well may have been what was going on at the time. And so you have these little uh, pictures from people's cell phones. They're not reliable. So like I said, we just don't know. We just don't know. The, the police, after the investigation, may be found to be at fault. But right now, we simply don't know. You know, probably not only life has taught me to slow down and check my emotions, because emotions at times like this will keep clear-headed people from making good decisions. But on top of that, I remember a story that I was very impressed by, and it was, uh, what was that? It was a book by a man named Covey, Seven Highly Habits of Effective People, like Effective People or something like that. But I remember in the, in the book, they gave you this story, and the story goes like this. There was a guy on a subway, and uh, he's uh, got these kids. They're running around, and they've already knocked his newspaper out another time. They knocked a drink out of, out of his hand, and he's really getting upset. There's about three or four kids, and they're just, they don't have any supervision, and he just happens to be sitting next to the father, and he's wondering, why does the father not get up and do something? And finally, he just gets to the boiling point. He can take it no more. He jumps up, and he says, dude, why don't you do anything with your children? What is wrong with you? And the gentleman takes his face up out of his hands, and he looks at him, and he looks at his kids. He says, you are so right, and I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm so sorry. We just left the hospital. Their mother passed away, and I haven't even told them. I don't know what I'm going to do. So right there and then, that man's whole demeanor changed when he had the whole story. He went from wanting to put his hands around that man's necks to, to embracing him, hugging him, trying to find any comfort, to get up and try to help with those kids. That was a whole different story than what he had thought. You know, everything in his, uh, by his senses was telling him one thing, but there was another part of that story he did not know. So I would say to you when it comes to things such as that horrible shooting in Texas, give things time. This is not the time that the mob and uh, the, the ethos, the, the collective thought should take precedence over things that are really going on, things that we can't even possibly know at this point in time. And I do, I feel for the young man, Don't he is the criminal here. I'm not like George Gascon. I can differentiate between a uh, victim and uh, a criminal. The man that did this, the young man that did this, is a criminal. He was held accountable to the highest degree. He's no longer with us. There's a part of me that wants to say that I'm good with that. I kind of wish they could have uh, been able to talk to him find just to help us if we could get any more pieces as to what is going on because to try to blame it on a gun a gun is just not going to jump up and shoot anybody by itself less as long unless you're what's that guy baldwin on a on a movie set alec baldwin that's the only place i know where guns just jump up and find themselves in people's hands and just shoot people at random but uh other than that, I don't think there's another documented case of a gun just jumping up and shoot somebody. And I don't think that's the answer because, I mean, take into consideration the Oklahoma bombing. Uh, Timothy McVeigh, when he blew up that building and killed something like 160 plus people and injured over 400 more, that was fertilizer and diesel fuel in a, in a van. Uh, many more casualties than this shooting in Texas, not to take away from the shooting in Texas. So I don't know, let's say, what if you are successful in collecting every gun that is in the United States of America and you still have somebody that is hell-bent and 
they're going to commit a mass casualty. You can make the argument. It might be a weak argument. It might be a good argument. I don't know. I don't even want to put it to test to find out. But what if they can't get their hands on a gun? They go to other resources with the internet. You can know how to make a bomb. The stuff that McVeigh got to uh, do that bombing was not hard to come by. And, well, you know the effects of it. Blew the entire building in two. And like I said, I think 168 people and 400 casualties on top of that people injured and lives changed forever. So I think we need to get to what is causing that. I mean, that that when that driver just recently went through that Christmas parade, he was driving, I think, a minivan and multiple casualties, at least a dozen deaths, a lot of little kids that were killed and hurt. Nobody is running out talking about we need to do away with minivans. We need to sue the people who built that van. No, what you had is an object that can be used for good or bad. And evil showed up and took control of it and did an evil act. So the answer is not going to be found in taking everybody's gun away from them. In the meantime, I think things such as mental illness and It's going to be interesting to see if this guy had a history. Did he have a history with law? Did he have a history with mental illness? Did the family call out multiple times trying to make the authorities aware that they had a problem within their house, that they were concerned about their kid? You know, the kid was growing dark, it looks like, and I'm not going to make any assumptions. I can only see and look at the pictures that you looked at is showing him pictures dressed in dresses and just has this very dark look about himself is his face he looks hollow is it does it have something to do with all the kids that are being influenced by these killing games if you will i mean it was one thing when i was a kid when we played cowboys and indians and uh or played army yeah i mean it wasn't as graphic as these games that children are playing and not only that they're not interacting with anybody they're locked in their their rooms, they might be on a headset talking to somebody halfway around the world. And I know there's uh, many adults and children that do this and they never go out and they kill anybody. But what if somebody is already a little shaky? Maybe they're already on those outer fringes. Does it contribute to this behavior? So unless this uh, young man left uh, some type of manifesto or a diary and or unless the grandparents can tell us something about what led up to this we really won't know what was behind it here's a little something that's connected and not connected doesn't matter it's rambling fridays i don't have to keep any hard rules i just tell you i'm just going to share some things with you that i have read been exposed to and give you some of the uh, impressions that i got years ago i read a book called freakonomics and cannot remember anything but i remember one of the stories they shared in that book was uh, the story of some parents that were getting ready to let their kids stay at a friend's house and he was all excited all throughout the week he was anticipating going to this friend's house and spending the night spending the weekend with them and so right before the night came friday night the parents found out that the house that he would be staying in also had guns in it and so they made the decision to not do that of course the child was devastated he was looking forward to spending some time with his friends so to try to make up for that they let him go stay at a friend's house that had a pool and if i remember correctly freakonomics said they just increased the possibility of that child dying by six times based on the stats that they had it was much more dangerous for that child to be around a pool than to be in a house with guns so when economists look at a situation 
they they're not going to get emotional about it. Uh, not many of them. The leftist economics people. There's one. I wish I could think of his name. Very emotional type guy. Not good when it comes to economics. But they usually are unattached. People like Thomas Sowell. They just simply look at the stats and the facts surrounding it, and then they tell you things such as what is more dangerous. And uh, if you would listen to people like that, we might be able to save some lives. You're never going to save everybody. So just like when you're trying to do a triage, you do the, the most good where you can. You take your resources and you utilize them to serve the most, the best. But I did find a, uh, another article. I'm sorry, it was uh, July 28, 2001. I wish I could have found something a little bit newer than that. But it was an op-ed piece in a science blog. This one asserted that a child had a 100% more chance of drowning in a residential pool than being shot by a gun, which seemed to support what uh, I read in Freakonomics. But the way that they came about this, I'll try to share it with you. They said 75% of all drownings happen in residential pools. There were 742. They figured there's 6 million residential pools in the United States. Roughly one child per 11,000 pools dies. Now contrast that with 175 children who died from firearms, and they estimated that there are 200 million guns in the United States. So one child killed per million guns as opposed to one child killed per 11,000 pools. Now that's the way they came about it. I I did the math on it myself, came uh, out to be about 90%, which I don't know who's right. You might want to stay with 100% because I absolutely suck at math. But that's if I, I what I did was I took uh, a million divided by eleven thousand, about ninety percent. And again, if you were really concerned about saving lives, you would divorce yourself from the emotion. Children lost in the drowning of a pool in a very weird way, and I can only take a guess. Is first of all, it's not a lot of children dying in one place. Um, the the dying of a drowning. It is horrific. It's a loss of a child, but it doesn't seem to be as traumatic emotionally. Is that, is that a way to look at it? It's not as traumatic emotionally because the gunshot, the, the violence that's involved with a gun just seems to be more horrific. It's going to make much better headline in the news than a child drowning in the pool. Unless you're Casey Anthony, then it takes on a whole nother light. But I'm just trying to sit here and wonder why it is that uh, people try to attribute responsibility to an innate object and try to hold it responsible when there's typically a person that's responsible. Either they are criminal or they're negligent. And uh, for some reason, it just doesn't seem, it might feel good. It might feel good to go after the manufacturers of guns. But is it going to make you feel any better to go after the manufacturers of pools when they have the information that I shared with you? I'm sure they know about it. I'm sure a lawyer somewhere has brought a lawsuit against a pool manufacturer citing these these, uh, facts that I just shared with you. That would be worth a Google. But again, it doesn't answer the problem. I would say most pool drownings are a lack of supervision. Uh, People are not watching kids or they haven't taken the proper steps to make sure that when they can't supervise that child around the pool, 
that they cannot gain access to it. Any way you want to look at it, it it's, a, it's a level of negligence is what it is. And I don't think whether you're talking about children dying from gun violence or children drowning in pools, that the answer is going to be trying to put it on entities that had nothing to do with that. You're, you're just talking about the means that it was carried out. Again, uh, the number one killer of children are car accidents. You're not going to go after the car manufacturer. They, they, they're aware of this too. Lawyers are aware of it. If for some reason, I think going after gun manufacturers and people who sell guns, that just makes you feel better. It's like Beto O'Rourke jumping up at that news conference before people have had, even had a chance to bury their children. He's just trying to make a spectacle. He's yelling for somebody to do something when he could have been doing something all this time. It's very typical of people on the left to ask people, other people, of their time, of their resources, of their money. They're going to sit back and just call us to arms, I guess, to deal with the situation. And uh, as I pointed out before, Beto's hardly the man, and it's, it's, it's very difficult to even refer to him as a man. There's nothing manly about him. He's, a, he's an absolute coward is what he is. He's a flake, and you can tell this by the remarks he makes. You can tell by the way he presents himself. Like I said, from one man to another, uh, he's a sorry excuse for one. And so I'm not going to bore you much more than that. I'm going to take the advice of my little brother who said if I wanted to get more listens to say something about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I know who Johnny Depp is. He's that pirate dude, right? Amber, I'm not very familiar with her, but uh, okay, well, I mentioned them. So he said that would help my podcast. The ratings and uh, the listener audience would grow. He said that's where it's at, so... Not really sure what that's all about, but there you go, uh, little brother. There's my uh, mentioning of Johnny Depp and Amber. Okay, with that, I'm going to pray for your safety throughout the week. Please keep those people in Texas uh, on your hearts, your thoughts, and your prayers. A lot of people would tell you that they're tired of people just praying, but there's power in prayer. I think it's. I think we have exhausted all we can do. Uh, on the side of man's understanding of these things, especially when you won't even go to the point of addressing the real problems. Because that's easy. That's always easy to blame somebody else or something as opposed to doing the hard work and sometimes politically incorrect. And I think people are just scared. They're scared to really say what's really going on. They're really scared to assign true responsibility because a true look would indicate that a lot of their policies are exactly what has attributed to these mass shootings in schools. There's a, there's a thing you can compare. You can go back. I mean, we've had public schools for a long time now. You go see if you can see where things started coming off the track and then start following those policies that were put in place. And I think that's going to be a good place for you to start to try to figure out what in the heck is going on in our schools. All right, so with that, I'm out like a scout. I'm wishing you the very best. Please be safe until we can get together again on Over and Under. 